I never thought the first type of cows I was gonna buy were gonna be uh, this Gear Londo Gear breed. Um, I've always been a purebred Holstein guy. Always loved purebred Holstein. I still work with predominantly pre purebred Holstein. Uh, and I just never thought the first set of cattle would have been uh, Ghirlando. Uh, there was Ghirlandos in Sherlock, but they were always like backyard cows that the Mexican workers always had. <laughs> they were always asking for gear bulls, and I was like, what's a freaking gear? And I finally like looked it up like a couple years ago, because like so many of these guys would tell me about these gear cows. And that's how kind of we found them. So but. I'm planning on milking probably maybe the start just one. Possibly two, depending, I guess, how much milk we get. If they don't give that much, we'll have to see. But um, I'm planning on milking them for our personal, um, you know, like dairy consumption. For, you know, just liquid milk, for cheese, for sour cream, butter, all that kind of stuff for ourselves. And then also to be like the top of the food chain supplying, um, you know, protein and fat for the rest of our farm animals. So... It'll trickle down into the the feed for the the chickens, the feed for ducks, the feed for pigs. Um, we're really gonna work hard to like not bring out, bring in a lot of outside input as far as like feed. Bienvenidos, welcome, and thank you for joining us for Season 1, Episode 13 of the Pana Familia Podcast with Eduardo and Nicole, where we discuss our experience relocating to and raising our three young children here in Panama, share our journey of building our new farm and home here in Central America, and let you know what we're learning along the way. We're glad you're here. Vaminos! inside a room in our apartment today so it might sound a little more echoey I guess because usually we record outside so it sounds nicer um, so sorry if this sounds like we're in the bathroom <laughs> we're not in the bathroom promise you'd hear uh, other noises all right this one this episode 
We're going to work real hard to make it, you know, short, sweet. Uh, we're excited to talk about this topic, especially Eddie. Uh, we're going to talk about our cows. Our heifers, I guess. Yeah, heifers. Is it okay if we say cows? No, they're not milking yet. We've got to get technical. Getting technical today. Get real technical with, with Eve Expert. So we're going to start off with why, why did we want to purchase cows in the first place? Uh, number one, it's always been a dream of mine to uh, own cattle. That's number one. Number two is uh, we have a lot of pasture and we wanted to uh, manage that with, with uh, cattle. And uh, number three is uh, meat and dairy. Those are two big uh, parts of our diets. Have raised our own, yeah. Raise as much of our own meat and dairy as we can. So yeah, that's why we uh, chose cows. That's a good three reasons. Yeah, yeah, you didn't even write those down. Yeah, those are basically three simplest reasons. So once we had, yeah, once we had like finalized purchasing the farm, like our first goal basically was to find, cattle. was to find cattle. Yeah. So Eddie talked to uh, the dairyman that we're closest to here, the guy that we get our milk from, um, our friend Anito, and kind of asked him if he knew anyone and he started sending you some videos and um, we told him, you told him kind of what you wanted, right? Like pregnant heifers that were a certain age. Yeah, the original plan I wanted to buy heifers that I wanted to breed myself and then like the more I thought about it uh, with everything else that was going on with the house construction and everything, I was like, it's better just to buy pregnant heifers right now. So yeah, we told uh, Anito, the dairy farmer, to like, just look for some pregnant heifers and he went to the subasta which is basically the sales yard i mean it is the sales yard and he started asking around and started sending us videos and one day we uh started driving around with well, him we yeah we took him with us yeah, right yeah. yeah just spent a day and we visited two fincas and looked at like they had a group of heifers that they wanted to sell and we went and looked at them and the second batch um, were the ones that we liked the best and you said looked, you know, the healthiest and the best and everything. Yeah, I have a pretty good eye with cattle, especially since that's what I, I would hope I have a good eye. Yeah, <laughs> that I would have a job. Uh, but yeah, the second batch that we saw were just really uniform and all the same size and they were very docile. They weren't crazy and uh, they were very well presented. And oh, so he had the certificate. Yeah, the, yeah, they're, they, they had been tested for something. Yeah, for TB, for tuberculosis. So that way we can start off our herd uh, clean. We bought 10 that day. And then within the week, we had them at the farm. He was ready to, to deliver them like the next day, right? Yeah, he was ready. Or something, to, but yeah. we had to like move the funds over and everything. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah it was that's ready a little to bit go. more complicated with having money from the United States bringing it to Panamanian bank account. Uh, so yeah, within the week. He had them delivered, and we were there, and uh, it was a pretty exciting day. Super exciting, yeah. Yeah, he backed up the, <laughs> the trailer, the truck, to the gate, opened the gate, and they all ran out, and uh, it was one of those, like, oh, yeah, we own a farm moment. Uh -huh. We finally, like... Like, this is actually, like, a farm. It's not just, like, a piece of land with nothing on it. A lot of it, too, was, like, um, it lined up with, like, the purchase, like, like, it was within, like, two days of when it was officially our land, too. Oh, yeah. yeah so it was so, a really special week. Yeah, yeah. So, like, not only did we have this land, but we also, like, you know, 
have the cows on it running around. So yeah, so we like after we after the paperwork was finalized for the property, we like went out there and we we're like we're walking our land for the first time and we took a bottle of champagne and like poured some out and you know did that. That was really special. But like when the cows arrived was when like I almost cried. I mean I I did cry. I wasn't like bawling, but like you know I was tearing up and. I was just watching Eddie's face the whole time because, like, watching him, like, watching this dream of his, like, come to fruition, like, you know, he's worked with cows for the last 10 years of his life. And now I grew he, up on a dairy farm. Yeah, and now he, like, owns his own 10, you know, 10 cows on our beautiful land. It was just, like, a very, like, emotional and kind of, like, this is it. Like, this is the next step. Like, this is why we're here, you know? Like, now these are ours to take care of and... Okay, yeah, let's talk about our plan, and then you can talk about the, the breed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the original plan, I honestly don't even remember. So we had, like, ten, ten different cow plans, plans, cow plans, we went back and forth, and went back and forth with breeds, and um, eventually went back to the very first plan after, like, scrapping that one and then going to attend different plants we went back to the first plan because first it was like get non-pregnant heifers and then breed them to beef or yeah. something right and yeah. then also for yeah so for a while we were thinking about just getting beef beef cows and not getting any dairy and then so the original plan was they have these like it's called the Ghirlando cattle and they're basically a gear which is one of those Boston Dickus breeds from uh, India, Africa, Asia, um, cross with the Holstein, and they're dual purpose in the way of they can be milked, but they also have some sort of meat uh, on them. Um, like Holstein cows are too bony. I mean, you can't you, you can get meat from them, but not you know. I mean, you some you can't grow up to get pretty fat. But. They're mainly like a, a dairy breed, not really for prime steak. Um, so then we went with this gear breed, and then the goal is to breed those to more beef-influenced sires. And then um, these 10 cows are going to basically be the, uh, the matriarch of our farm and raise all the babies and just be the mothers of everything. Like, we're, we don't plan... Or I don't plan on selling them for beef unless one of them is like a knucklehead and is mean to the kids or is kind of a little wild. But other than that, these will be here for a really long time and they're going to be like the mothers of, of the uh, terminal process. The ones that will be used for beef and uh, the meat production will be on the next generation. Um, because we're not really, we're, like I said, we're not expect. We're kind of just expecting to milk these for our personal. Well, a couple of them. Yeah, right? a couple of them. Until well, every now and then, Eddie will be like, "Let's just start a dairy. Let's just do it. Let's start selling milk." And I'm like, uh, "The average, the, like the average size of a dairy farm in Panama is like thirty to forty cows. So we already have ten <laughs> cows. So I'm already like, I'm I'm the average herd size, pretty close to it. The main reason we picked the gear, uh. Uh, Ghirlando breed was also because of the climate here. Um, it's very humid, it's very warm. Um, there's a lot more different bugs here than there is back home because they don't get the uh, the cold, you know, three, four months. 
So we That's just like a lot of parasites. And stuff yeah, like parasites that, yeah. and stuff like that. So it is a very vigorous. That gear is a very vigorous breed. Um, they have a special like oil on their skin or something yeah. that like roof deflects certain bugs and stuff. Yeah, and they yeah. also don't you know they have thinner hair so they can withstand heat more, and they don't consume as much water is what I've noticed too. Um, well, they're also not milking, so maybe that'll change. Yeah, that'll change one. Yeah, but even like Holstein heifers drink a lot of milk or a lot of water. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's the main reason why we picked this breed. Um, and then the Holstein is mixed in. And the Holstein is mixed mixed in for the milk production. The dairy farmers down from the mountain where it's it's like this, you know, mix these cows so they can have the milk production of a Holstein and the health. Uh, genetics of a, of a gear cow um, so I can get really technical with the cows I did a lot of research on gear cows because I you know was looking into like dairy breeds for like this climate and um, they're used in India a lot and in India like cows are like very revered so they're treated like very very respectfully and like beautifully over there and they're not really there to take a lot of milk from them, but they are used as milk cows, just gear, just pure gear in India. But when you add in the whole steam, then you'll get like more milk more production. milk production. Yeah. yeah, and then so then the plan for us is to uh, breed these uh, Girlando cows to Angus bulls, semi-Angus bulls. Probably start making some sort of Brangus breed out of them. Um, just to get some more uh, marbling in the cattle, because the one thing the Brahma cow, because like the gear is like a part of like that Brahma cow family, so the they don't get as fat and juicy like an Angus cow. So if you start crossbreeding those these with some American sires like Angus sires and uh, semi-Angus sires, uh, we can start increasing the marbling and get some better steaks out of it for our personal enjoyment. Yeah, for our personal, yeah. Um, um, but like, we're, I'm, I'm more concerned about the, uh, the health of the cattle. Because uh, this is a different climate for me that I've dealt with. And, and we don't want to have, we don't want to be putting like all this time into like, oh, this one's sick, or oh, that one got this bug, or oh, we need to get these shots, because, like, we really don't want to deal with all that kind of stuff. We want cows that are just going to kind of take care of themselves, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Angus cows are superior, you know, producing meat cattle, but if she doesn't make it to, you know, her final day because she's sick and dies, like, none of that really matters. <laughs> yeah, what a waste of time. A waste of time, yeah. so we're yeah. really taking into consideration the climate here because mm -hmm. um, it is I mean it's December right now and it's 90 degrees you know it's kind of throwing us into a loop because like it's Christmas time yeah it's so uh, warm. I mean it's just the same all year round the, yeah. the humidity changes the rain changes um, but the heat just is always kind of kind of the same so but, I'm planning on milking probably maybe to start just one Possibly two, depending, I guess, how much milk we get. If they don't give that much, we'll have to see. But um, I'm planning on milking them for our personal, um, you know, like dairy consumption. For, you know, just liquid milk, for cheese, for sour cream, butter, all that kind of stuff for ourselves. And then also to 
be like the top of the food chain supplying, um, you know, protein and fat for the rest of our farm animals. So it'll trickle down into the, the feed for the, the chickens, the feed for ducks, the feed for pigs. Um, we're really going to work hard to like not bring out, bring in a lot of outside input as far as like feed because we are able we weren't able to keep dairy cows in Sherlock so we did have to like you know purchase feed for our chickens and we didn't purchase feed for our pigs until the very end but if we can use the the milk to feed not only us but the the whole farm it would be yeah amazing and it'll kind of just like be one big like circle cycle taking care of itself versus like oh let's go buy pig feed and let's go buy chicken feed and we need more protein so they'll lay their eggs well we can just use the milk or the whey from the cheese so and i think this is where uh, you can see where nicole's brain is superior than mine uh <laughs> where she she thinks of this stuff about everything being Connected? Just everything being connected, you know. On the farm. And my mind goes to the, uh, I just want to get those numbers up, you know. <laughs> I just want 200 cows within yeah, like five I mean, years. <laughs> uh, so Maybe. she has this goal, and then my goal is just, just to increase the numbers of our cattle. Yeah, well, uh, you're thinking, like, outside income. I'm thinking, like, okay, yes. like, taking care of our family, which is, yes. I mean, important. We're, we balance each other out. Yeah, but I think her hey. thoughts are, uh, I could, yeah, I just... Don't think like that. <laughs> but yeah, so my plans are just to keep breeding them, grow the numbers, and uh, hopefully have enough cattle to rent some more land and run some more cattle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully within the next five years, we're over 50 cattle, um, which I think is easily possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of my simple. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. And another part of it that we haven't mentioned yet is like we obviously got them to help control the grass because the grass was getting so long. But what, what they're also doing is they're going to improve the quality of the grass. It won't just be one or two varieties of grass. It will be, you know, as cows eat and poop and birds and stuff get in there and scratch and move stuff around. Um, the invasive species disappear and the healthy species start to thrive. So we, um, we are using them to increase the diversity and the health of our pastures, of our soil, um, to help with erosion control around our creeks and our ponds. As the soil gets healthier, you know, things, um, the grass, the roots can go deeper and it can stay in there. We'll, we'll be um, like separating the whole, the whole 17 heck or 17 acres into much smaller paddocks and we'll be moving them regularly within I mean depending I guess how small if we do like one acre or half acre paddocks you know move them every couple days but we plan to do that which will really help because there's a period that we're starting right now where it doesn't rain for many months and if they just go crazy and eat all the grass in the first month, then, you know, we're what? We're having to bring in feed, feed, which we, you know, completely don't want to do that. So we're going to be working on, like, storing and capturing water, um, widening our creeks, making ponds throughout the farm to keep the water on our land longer, as well as planting more trees to, like, hold the water. So all of this is, like, completely intertwined and interconnected with the cattle and then 
hopefully with, um, well, for sure with birds like ducks and chickens and guineas, pigs, and then uh, potentially like sheep in the future because sometimes you need different ruminants to eat different types of plants and keep things um, really balanced because cows won't eat all the same stuff that, you know, sheep will. And we've already seen like within the first month, uh, the cows eat down some of the stuff that wasn't uh, good. Uh-huh. And then, you, you know, like healthier new, grass grow through already. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we saw that within the first month. That was just like this new green lush grass comes out. It looks way better. Uh, uh-huh. but, um, yeah, that manure, that manure is gold. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, real quick, just how we've been managing them right now. Since right now, basically... Right now, basically, our farm is split in two if there's a fence line above the creek. So all we've been doing is, like, every, like, seven days, we move them. Every to, Friday. We move them to the other side, which is, like, you know, obviously not optimal, but it's better than, like, not moving them at all right now. And then for the first month, we were um, driving there to give them feed, like, a grain and salt mix. To get them used to us, to let them know, like, hey, you like us, we're giving you feed. Um, and so now they're, they always come running whenever our car shows up. Yeah. Um, Jude was helping a lot with that, but one of the, one of the heifers chased him. We're not sure why, if she's just being curious or if she's a little aggressive. She didn't hurt him at all, but she scared him, obviously, and I was scared. Um, Eddie didn't seem to... Uh, seem to be too worried. <laughs> I like the the way I explain to people about cows is like the best way to explain them is they're like big dogs, um, and sometimes they can get very playful and they're big at the same time. So they could be pretty intimidating. Well, and one there of, are mean dogs though. Yeah, but there is also mean dogs. I don't think uh, we named her Konohita. I don't think she was me. I think she Which was Which means little rabbit. Little rabbit. <laughs> Which is not uh, an aggressive yeah. name. <laughs> She's one of the biggest cows there, too. I don't think she was trying to be mean, but uh, she was coming at Jude, and Jude was getting nervous, so he ran away. And I think that kind of even got her more excited, like a dog chasing. Oh, because he was running. Okay. Because as soon as cause Jude ended up tripping, as soon as uh, and he fell, fell like, yeah. she stopped. They can knock me over like nothing. Uh, have yeah, so you she really have, wanted to. You do have to be careful and respectful at the same time. Yeah. So Eddie gave her a few yells and kind of grabbed a stick and didn't hit her, but like was like, hey, if you come over here, you know, I have this. And eventually they all, she turned around and ran away. But um, other than that, they've all been, you know, they're curious and they're sweet, but um, no one has, none of them have been like aggressive or anything. And one of them looks like she's going to calf in the next couple weeks, which will be a lot earlier than we expected, but exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, no, exciting times with the cows. Um, if, if we get a request for a very detailed cow episode, we can go into that. Yeah. Or, like, as yeah. we progress and add more yeah. to it. I never thought the first type of cows I was going to buy were going to be uh, this Gear Londo, Gear breed. Um... I've always been a purebred Holstein guy. Always loved purebred Holstein. I still work with predominantly purebred Holstein. Uh, and I just never thought the first set of cattle would have been uh, Ghirlando. Uh, there was Ghirlandos in Sherlock, but they were always like backyard cows. So 
the Mexican workers always had. <laughs> they were always asking for gear bulls, and I was like, what's a freaking gear? And I finally like looked it up like a couple years ago, because like, so many of these guys would tell me about these gear cows. And that's how kind of we found them. They're very big in Brazil. Uh, that's kind of... Uh, as far as on like, the dairies, there, on the right? dairies, yeah, that's dairies. like all they use. Yeah, because like it's, it's a very big breed with dairies and in hot and climates, yeah. tropical areas. Yeah, I'm just uh, excited. I have all these like, ideas. With like my favorite part about cattle is like the future and like picking the next generation and finding the next generation. And I'm just really excited to like mix and match some of these breeds and see how the meat comes out on the other end. If you really do see a a big difference with these Angus crosses uh, compared to these Brahma crosses and just how it tastes because uh, uh, not a whole lot of steak culture down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like even the regular meat, there's just like not, no. like the other cuts, there's just not a lot of fat, you know, and like fat is what adds the flavor, yes, you know, yes. and I don't know if it's, you know, a combination of like killing them young or the breed or like everything but like we want to see if we can make something a little more flavorful and juicy and fatty because man I could sure go for like a big old like rib steak with a thick slab of fat all around the side oh, just man. dripping into the barbecue making flames getting it crispy oh. <laughs> we used to have those for like a Tuesday for lunch because yeah. we had a freezer full of beef like that. So I'd be like, what's for lunch? Oh, Jude, let's throw some rib steaks on the barbecue. No big deal. Salt and pepper. Yeah. Oh, man. No, we don't. And here's just like ground beef, stew meat. Stew meat. <laughs> this the, is our business, big the, business idea. This is a big business idea. Okay. It's going to be the store in Las Lajas. It's going to be a farm slash surf shop slash deli slash sandwich shop slash iced coffee <laughs> slash uh, uh, surf smoothies slash uh, tours uh, sand paddle tours slash like skincare slash skincare yeah. um, it's Which all I think it all really goes really perfectly together <laughs> the produce goes real well with the I mean I guess that would but yeah then it's like Grab your sandwich, a bottle of lotion, rent a surfboard, get a smoothie while you wait, and, like, take some, like, fruit for the way home. And it's cool that, yeah, I mean, they're ours, and they're being fed by, you know, our land and drinking our water that, you know, we're taking care of. And, yeah, it's cool to go check on them. And I'm excited to get friendly with the ones that are, you know, going to eventually be our family milk cows. That's our, that's our cow talk. If you ever want to know more, if you want to get into the weeds, call me. <laughs> can really break it down. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Um, for those of you in the United States, go eat a steak for us, please. Ciao. Hasta luego. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time on the Pana Familia podcast.